Welcome to Disruptive Narratives. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Lewis. In these episodes, we will be highlighting people who are impacted by histories and systemic processes of neglect and disinvestment, but do not often have a seat at the table and may not feel seen. This is a space for people radically reimagining a path forward, but not necessarily a space for those who are unpersuaded by the need for a better world where Black futures matter. We are focused on sharing perspectives that are often unshared or unheard because they challenge what we think we know. In this program, guests are the experts of their own reality. Hassan Asadiq is a youth researcher with Shapen Hall, currently working to collect data to support the youth direct cash pilot being proposed at the Minnesota State Legislature. Hassan is also the founder of the Black Army Brigade, which is a community-rooted institution that provides leadership development opportunities and economic empowerment strategies to Black youth. Hassan created this organization because of his own experience with homelessness and desire to provide a resource to youth that did not exist to support him. Quincy Poe, a Minneapolis native and former Youth Link client who experienced homelessness, is the Opportunity Youth Network Manager at Youth Prize. Poe is an agent of change, youth strategist, innovator, and operational leader, helping to support youth exercise their rights to receive adequate resources in the state of Minnesota. Both um, these amazing um, young Black male leaders and community um, have received support as a young person from whether the Link or Youth Link, um, as they themselves um, were trying to get the support they needed as young adults. Um, in that work, they also got access to other services at places like the Bridge um, and other kind of Hennepin County support services. I'm curious, Quincy, were other young people like yourself experiencing something similar? In what ways were they the same? Are they different? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when I was experiencing homelessness, it was a weird space for me, I think, because I was involved in youth leadership much before that, um, a part of 4-H, urban 4 h So we talked about gun control, ethanol, health care, um, within the Twin Cities and went to D.C. and talked to our um, then um, senators, um, Will Sedell, Klobuchar, and Al Franken at the time and learned a little bit more about that and then also um, working as a youth uh, leader for Youth Thrive at the time. We did the Peace Jams okay. with the uh, U of M and Rigoberta Mintutum and a lot of others. Shout out Marisa, representative. And um, so like it was... Is weird for me because through growing up and um, always feeling sustained in my home, um, I was involved in those different programs through school. And so I think that when I got to an older teenage and I experienced homelessness and um, housing instability, it kind of did something different to me that I, I felt like I lost the advocacy for myself. And so I was triggered, I think, when I was... Um, I kind of heard about Youth Link mm -hmm. by way of talking to my colleagues about my experience and my situation. And then I like got reconnected back with my siblings um, and I started talking to them about it as well. And they're like, go to Youth Link. And I'm like, what's Youth Link? And I looked it up and went down to Youth Link and I was excited to be there and 
Um, there were some services that I was eligible for, and then there were the major services that I really needed that like was really hard to get. Mm-hmm. And I found myself at one point at Lauren Park, and uh, at the time I was like trying to take some classes at Minneapolis College, but I found myself being so frustrated. I sat down on the bench and I was just like crying and praying to God. And I was like, you know, God, you definitely aren't forsaken me. And I know you got my back, but I definitely need another path. I need to figure something out. And I do think, you know, God spoke to me. It's like reminded me of that advocacy, but also just reminded me of my power. And so I did start to advocate for myself, but I kind of started to talk to other youth about it. I'm like, what are you doing when you're told no, when you mm. are told that there are no bus passes, but then you're seeing that same person that told you there are no bus passes give out three bus passes to other young people mm. in front of you. Like, mm. And then you, you obviously they're not going to give you an explanation of why, but it does do something to you when you're surviving. And so um, other youth didn't really have any answers. They were experiencing similar things and it was just like, you know, you just kind of got to pay that. That's what and it I is. And I wasn't going to pay it. Mm. At one point I was, but then I just, um, I started asking to talk to the executive director <laughs> and talk to the leadership. And mm. then case managers and other people are like, why? That's that's mm. weird. Why do you want to talk to, why do you want to talk to them? And I'm like, because I do. And I, for so long, I couldn't get access to the executive director or the different mm. leadership uh, until I, I had looked her up one time and then I saw her walk into her car and I had stopped her and just kind of told her about my situation, what I was navigating. And she had set up a meeting with me. And from there, I started speaking at different events. Um, I went to a conference. And so it kind of happened that way. I like told her a little bit about my story and told other leadership about my story. And they asked me to come and speak about my story at different events. Now, I want to go back to what you're um, saying about the experiences because this is kind of where it got a little bit interesting. Um, I do think that there are some people that definitely, you know, wanted to wanted my story to be shared in a way to where there's help that comes, if you will. Mm. But I definitely think that when you lack an experience and mm. you lack an understanding, it's just knowledge. You know, maybe it's just book knowledge. Maybe it's knowledge that you've heard. But if that knowledge doesn't really transcend to wisdom, I don't think you're going to be as impactful as you're trying to be. And so I think a lot of people in the work, and I think it's kind of shifted a little bit now because of that lack of experience and the lack of strategy around understanding those different experiences, if you will, um, those people were tokenizing us Mm -hmm. and Mm. we were used as pawns. And I, I do think that it's worth addressing. Mm-hmm. And so like there were times where I would ground myself and I would actually name this to the different leadership. And there were some leadership that would shift their ways and be like, whoa, okay, you just broke that down very Eloquently. specifically <laughs> and Detail. let's talk about this because I want to learn from you. And then there are those people that will put up guardrails and be like, okay, you just made me uncomfortable. Don't want to go through that again. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting. But um, that taught me something about myself that I still had the power. And Mm -hmm. so from there, I just started kind of walking into spaces saying, this needs to change. What are you doing about this? You have the decision-making power. How are you partnering with the people that are going to be the most impacted? Mm -hmm. And from there, it kind of just propelled into different people are like, you know, what's this person saying? 
And then me saying, if I'm going to come and engage with you this way, then I need to be supported. This has to feel like you do care about my situation, whether I'm here and outside of here, mm-hmm. so I can fully show up. And if you don't, then I'm not going to be able to show up. And so like um, other young people now experience that same thing with organizations to where they're sharing their story, they're sharing their voice, they're coming to different events to share their um, experiences with different organizations, with each other, with the community. And they want to partner with organizations who may be harming them. They really just mm. want them to learn the harm that they're and uh, to understand the harm that they're causing, to shift from it, and then to help them. So it's interesting. I think that when we talk to young people today um, and the experiences that they're experiencing, their response is a little bit different than mine sometimes. I okay. think that when I was younger, I'd be like, we going to go at it. <laughs> Word, because look, <laughs> you gonna have to charge us one dollar of me. We got to talk that. about it. I'm, I'm, I was always the person. I think I, you know, I'm a little bit more whatever reserved, if you will, now. But like, Shout I was the person. Quincy. I used to. Um, Quincy is very, very, very strategic. I uh, we nice. we worked on a few on a council together and. Um, they used to uh, kind of describe the contrast between our approach. Like, I'm the one that's like, let's burn all the issue down. And Quincy's <laughs> like, well, w- how are we going to burn it down? <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, and like, you know, I, I, I still try to adapt and, um, you know, adopt some of those, some of yeah. those, those strategies. Cause like, it's really effective, right? Yeah. When, when you are able to have reasoned, grounded, mm-hmm. um, logical conversations and, and inviting others as opposed to mm-hmm. imposing mm-hmm. on others your this, ideas. Yeah. Um, and in that way, I'm, I'm super forever grateful for, you know, my friend, my colleague, my brother. I love that. Quincy, Poe, because that, that man can strategize around, like, just a, a bunch of really impactful um, I love that. work and outcomes. And like, how do we get from point A to point Z mm-hmm. while also going through the full letters? This is Disruptive Narratives. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Lewis. Disruptive Narratives is a co-production of Camo J and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. The amount of awareness that you both have in this moment came with time, right? Because you are both now choosing to work in youth services, youth direct support, youth direct research and engagement work. Mm -hmm. But now you're in a different position than you were then, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm curious, what would you tell your younger self, knowing what you know right now about the work? how it engages with youth, and how to advocate for yourself. Mm. What would you tell yourself then? Oh, this kind of makes me emotional because there's a lot of thoughts going on. But um, first off, I would tell myself, God is good. It's going to be okay. All the time. Um, (laughs) And then um, I would tell myself it's okay to expand my dreams. I think something that I do think about and um, I've talked to others about it. It's like, this was not my dream. Mm. And 
like for me, it was like hard to say that out loud. It's like I, I was not dreaming of doing this work. I, I dreamt of, you know, like what all young people dream of being rich, like having a house and family and just like that kind of casual, simple type of life, not, not doing all of the, the activism, the organizing. I didn't really know what that was. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my experience changed my passion and changed my understanding. Mm-hmm. And it changed the tra- trajectory of what I was wanting to do. Um, and so this experience that I've had had made this into a dream for me because mm-hmm. I not only get to use my experience to advocate, to organize, but to really ground myself to understand other young people and understand that some of their situations are different from the situations that I was in. Um, it looks different. The resources look different. The support looks different. And some are similar. But because of those experiences, we're able to come together, to you know, cry together, to laugh together, to talk about real things, but to get to a point of purpose. And so that that's why this is a dream now. Okay. And I would tell myself, you know, to expand your dreams because um this journey has been definitely traumatic and definitely hard. But as I sit in my mo- in this moment now, it's been rewarding and a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so like I do thank God because God had a bigger plan and you know, I'm here today because of that bigger plan. So um I'm excited for the journey forward. Okay. Hassan, what would you tell your younger self? Slow down, listen a little bit more intentionally. I tend to be a little, I could be a little hot headed. Okay. And like, uh, or I'll say bull headed, where I go straight <laughs> forward. Okay. Um, okay. And I, I have, you know, learned a lot from those experiences. Um, but like, you know, if hindsight's 2020, I would be like, yo. Probably don't tell them they're full of ish. <laughs> <laughs> you talk know? about it. Let's Leave talk about strategic it. Details. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe uh, <laughs> approach with honey, not vinegar. Um, although, you know, sometimes you got to say what it is and mm-hmm. say call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd 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 encourage myself to. Open up a little bit okay. um, to to community to um, to myself, mm-hmm. right? It took me a while to kind of like even be comfortable in my skin, right? Um, mm-hmm. Being coming from like a religiously rooted household and community to like. Being like the odd one in the bunch, um, okay. Like it was, it was, it was an experience, and you know, often sometimes I try to like shy away and turn away and like just kind of ignore. Maybe go out and do my own thing. I would tell my, I would encourage myself to talk about it, embrace it, right? Okay. Those challenges um, promote lessons and promotes opportunities right um and just be nice (laughs) i like that i like that this is disruptive narratives i'm your host dr Brittany lewis disruptive narratives is a co-production of camo j and ampers 
diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. I think a topic that we've talked about throughout has been the way in which leaders within youth organizations are either tokenizing or actually creating mutually beneficial relationships with young people. Um, Is that still showing up in your opinion based on what young people are sharing with you? How is it showing up? Um, And of the leaders that are um, consistently leading in this way, um, what is common or true about who they are was that the same kind of person you were engaging with when you were receiving those services? Um, or has it changed? Are they telling funders one thing and something else is happening based on what young people are sharing? Like mm-hmm. What is happening and is it continuing from your experience to now working in this sector? That's a great question. Um, I would say yes, the, those both ends of those relationship tokenism, and the beneficial relationships are both still happening. I would say, I'm, um, from my experience in conversations, from what I see, um, from what I hear and experience still, and then past experience, um, certainly young people are sharing the harm that has been brought to them by different organizations and different folks. And um, in my new position at my um, current organization, I was charged with um, a lot of partnerships with youth-led organizations, mm-hmm. young people in our community. And I found myself um, not really partnering in the way that I wanted to at first, but more so creating spaces to really talk about what does repair look like? Um, How do we address these different harms that have been um, caused Mm -hmm. to the different young people before we move forward in partnership? And so what that looked like is young people creating spaces for themselves, Mm -hmm. those affinity spaces, um, before inviting sometimes adult partners and that um, we work with and and setting um, standards or goals or um, different uh, rules and aspects on how they want those folks to show up in their spaces to ensure that they're protected. Um, it's a safe space and the different biases don't mm-hmm. pr- aren't projected out on them. Sometimes young people don't want to share everything in a space with there may be adult partners that have caused them harm. And so, what does that look like when we ask young people to show up in a wholesome way? And another part of that is we have to incentivize young people. Like mm-hmm. we can't be shy to incentivize young people. Um, I think about twenty-five dollars an hour is something that we try to pay our young people. And I just remember talking to some adult leaders um, at one point, and a couple of comments that were made is like, well, "That's kind of expensive. You know, it's kind of a high price." I'm like, "Well, not really, actually." I get paid in pretty nice wage. I receive benefits and all these other things. I can take vacations and still receive my pay. They don't get any of that, you know. Maybe they have access to, um, if depending on their status of working with us, they have access to some things, but they don't have access to the full package for right. sure. Period. And so, like thinking about, we're doing the work in a lot of the same ways. We're asking them to show up to do the work. So how are we incentivizing them, caring for them, supporting them, mm-hmm. so that they can do that? So like okay. I think about those different things because um, young people are expressing that today. A lot of young people, a lot of youth-led organizations, some of the namely ones are doing things for free, mm-hmm. organizing for free. You know, um, mm-hmm. reaching out and helping families for free because 
of the the pathways that are closed off to them, to the funders, to the funding, and also just the understanding on how they can build out these different processes and systems so that they can achieve those goals of turning that into a, an organization that has funding, but also can expand and, and do more. They're doing great work. The youth know what they need often. They often are organizing in amazing ways, but they often get burnt out very easily because of the harm that's caused to them, the limitations that's put on them, the restrictions that are put on them, the doors that are closed on them. And then um, last point I want to make is that some of the ways that some of these people who are in positions of power are causing harm to young people, which is kind of egregious to say the least, uh, is like backdooring, if you will, in so many words. And what that kind of really looks like Mm -hmm. is not really addressing it head on or letting the youth know what they're doing, but using their positions and their power to keep youth from opportunities where they can make money, keep youth from opportunities where they can share their voice and um, make policy recommendations or um, create Mm -hmm. um, different programs or shifts so that the programs are youth more youth focused, youth centered and where youth are actually partnering with these folks when they're making decisions. And so what we've seen and what we've heard from young people and what I've actually seen as well play out with my own eyes, which has been kind of crazy, is certain adult leaders mm-hmm. use their positional power to backdoor and keep young people out of these different places and spaces by talking to other people that they have relationships with, reaching out to different entities and organizations and naming certain youth and often saying pretty egregious things about these young people to support their efforts. And sometimes they're successful and sometimes they're not. Um, But what it looks like when they're not successful is they retaliate sometimes on the folks who have pushback against them because they often do have a high um, position within their orgs. Okay. I mean, it sounds like you're describing leaders who are trying to keep certain youth quiet because the only incentive one would have to removing an opportunity for your voice to be heard is to ensure that what you have to share isn't shared with a broader audience. Mm -hmm. And it seems extremely um, violent and counterproductive to the mission of these youth organizations. Definitely not trauma-informed. Definitely not trauma-informed. Well, I mean, let's talk about that, right? Because I think that, you know, on one hand, and I think it goes back to when we have more people in these spaces who have the experience. Mm -hmm. On one hand, you know, those people within our Mm -hmm. internal systems Mm -hmm. are also challenging these different strategies, these different styles of working and styles of approach because they know it's not working. They know Mm -hmm. it's harmful. And that gavel, if you will, is kind of being brought against them because when a person realizes, especially folks who maybe have been in the work for 10, 20 years and are very attached to it, Mm. they realize that maybe it's not working, maybe it is more harmful, they start to scramble, right? Mm. They start to open all the doors of power that they have and Mm. try to pull out the things to try to make themselves, if you you will, viable or Mm. make their work seem okay because they don't know how to hold. And this is not everyone. Some people do shift because... They recognize, but some people in the worst ways can't hold that their work is 
harmful mm. and that they need to shift or because they're stuck in it mm. and maybe they're benefiting a lot from it too. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So when I first got into uh, this youth leadership space, youth led and youth partnered just meant us being in the room, not actually mm-hmm. having, you know, high, highly regarded influence or even decision making mm-hmm. um, quote unquote powers, okay. right? Where now I have experienced a, a cultural shift in how the supportive housing sector um, kind of actualizes what it means to be in partnership with young people who are also their their clients, their residents. Okay. Um, and it's really shifted towards like being highly regarded or considered our opinions and experiences being just as validated mm-hmm. as the degree or the tenure. Okay, so right. there's been a shift. And that was not what you feel like you experienced when you were receiving services, but you're oh, seeing no. the shift now. <laughs> I'm experiencing the shift because I'm involved in the work. Okay. I'm in network coalition with other young people also in the work, pushing these systems and also... Um, you know, being really transparent about, you know, when systems are intentionally trying to silence others um, from sharing their experience, whether Mm -hmm. it was, you know, personally as a, as a client or professionally as a young, you know, professional. And for me, um, my, my real experience has been like, you know, using my voice and my lived experiences and voicing that has gotten me kind of blackballed in some mm. some ways and by some organizational leaders. I, I got a job, the job that I actually have right now as a youth researcher. And that agency, I was a part of their youth councils for many years. Mm-hmm. And in that in that position and in that role, I would advocate like, you know, disrupting business as usual. But business as usual means that we have job security. And I remember one time asking in a group of like funders and community based organization partners, you know, uh, who's ready to admit like the barrier between a thriving ecosystem of young people transcending out of homelessness into um, informed educated, um, engaged, and cooperative community is their job security, mm-hmm. right? And it, it was a really big, long moment of pause before a lone voice rang out. Well, it depends on like kind of how you want to call us out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, ex- from that moment mm-hmm. <laughs> till I kind of exited out of the program, like I experienced the retaliation where it was like extracting um, access to different services, my case management, um, you know, meetings were reduced to kind of every other month, but like kind of by the books, I was supposed to have it monthly. Otherwise I would become ineligible. But Mm. when the system kind of got pissed at me, they were able to kind of just do what they wanted and remove those services. And for me, it was like, well, if I was to do this, if I was to not show up to a meeting, Mm-hmm. You would say that I'm being unprofessional and that I'm no longer eligible for these services. Mm-hmm. But because you don't like that I had asked a simple question, now 
I'm starting to, mm-hmm. now you're starting to remove those services. To hear our full conversation, visit camojfm.com. Disruptive Narratives is a production of Camo J Radio and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities. Made with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund, hosted by Dr. Brittany Lewis, produced by Miranda Wilson, edited by Abdi Muhammad, music by Jerome Rankin.